Okay, we are uh, continuing our series here through um, a series called Experiencing God, Knowing and Doing the Will of God. We've been looking at uh, seven different realities, and each week I'm going to go over the seven just to help us remember them. Uh, The first one is this, that God is always at work around us. Uh, Secondly, God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. Number three, uh, God invites you to become involved with him in his work. Number four, God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. Uh, Number five, God invites you to work with him always. Uh, God's invitation to work for you to work with him always leads you to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. Number six, you must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he is doing. And number seven, you come to know God by experience as you obey him and he accomplishes his work uh, through you. And so today we're going to talk, uh, be talking about how God invites us to become involved in what he is doing. Now last week we talked about how God is inviting each of us into a, a deep and personal uh, relationship with him. Uh, God is not a distant God. He is not a God who is far away. He is a God who wants to be close to you and who really does care about every single aspect of your life. I mean, there's no one else who counts the number of hair on your head, but God does. I mean, he knows you that well and loves you that much. Now, God is, of course, at work as well, and we talked about that the week previous. That God is at work around us, God is at work uh, in us, and we cannot say that, that God's not at work in my life or around me. He is. And sometimes we just need to stop and really begin to look or to really begin to hear and listen and think, and we will begin to see that God truly is at work around us and is at work in your hearts and in your life. And today we're going to talk about the fact that he wants to actually work through you, that God's just not off working somewhere, that God actually wants you to join him in what he is doing. Now, we may think it will be fun, especially at this time of year, to be sitting on a beach uh, doing nothing for, and just having God, you know, do everything for us. I mean, he could bring us our, our drinks and bring us our snacks, and, you know, the hardest thing we might have to do is get up and go dip in the water. But if God just did everything for us, I mean, that'd be really cool, right? You can just kind of sleep in all day, and he could do my job. He could preach for me and run the church for me, and he could do your sales business or construct your houses or whatever it might be. If God just did everything, I mean, we might think that's cool, but the reality is, It's even cooler that God invites us into what he is doing. Because the reality is that work is not a bad thing. And we've talked about that before here, that that even before the fall of Adam and Eve, in a perfect world in the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam and Eve work to do. Uh, That work is a part of who we are, and we are fulfilled through doing work, and we have a desire to work in some ways. And the cool thing is God says, hey, I'm at work around you, I'm at work in you, and I invite you to become a part of what I'm doing. And if you're a Christ follower, this is actually already wired in you. Uh, the uh, Philippians says, it is God who works in you. So we, we know God is working in you, okay? God is at, working, is at work in you, and it says this, to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And one of his good purposes for your life is that you would join God in what he is doing. 
And so God is working that in you, that you have this desire, if you follow Christ, to be a part of what God is doing. You have the desire to know and do the will of God. And this is one of the ways you just know that you're you're a a follower of Christ, that your deepest desire is to know and do the will of God. Now, sometimes it gets messy because of sin and situations, but our deepest desire, because God has given us a new heart, is that I might know and do the will of God, that God, whatever you're doing, whatever, wherever you're moving, that that I want to be there. Uh, God uses people. This is the way he, he works. And again, we might think it'd be great if God just did everything, but that God most often uses people to do his work. Now, sometimes God does stuff like some sort of miracle or something that's totally outside of mankind. Or, I mean, we talked about God, you know, even growing grass and feeding birds, like those kinds of things we're not too involved in. But a lot of the things that we see and do and want, God uses people to do. I mean, uh, a lot of the answers to prayer that we experience in our life is through God working through another person. I mean, we might be praying for a financial need, that God, you would you just open up the heavens and bless me financially right now. That may be through another person who sends you a check or stops by or blesses you or through another person. Or maybe you find that you're super discouraged and you're down and you're depressed and you're saying, God, would you just encourage me today and lift me up? And then God said to someone around to encourage you, to pray for you, to say, hey, you know, uh, let's have coffee, or you're praying for healing, and most of the time, God will heal somebody through another person. It's pretty rare. You're just walking down the street, and brr, you know, all of a sudden, you're well. Usually, it's when you come up for prayer, or you go to someone for prayer. You say, God, could you, could you pray for me that God, I mean, even prayers like, God, would you give us our daily bread, or would you, God uses other people. Uh, he uses other people to grow you, to shape you, and God is inviting you to be a part of that. I mean, you know that God answers your prayers and he blesses you through other people. Well, God wants you to be that person to use to bless someone else. I mean, you very much are the answer to other people's prayer when you begin to join God in what he is doing. And we see that's all over the Bible, that God uses people. Uh, Famous verse in Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, I'm the king, I'm in charge. Therefore, go and make disciples. This is your job, he says to the church. You go and make disciples of all nations. We're to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're to teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, God's not just sitting off in the background. He says, I'll be with you. Now, you might wonder, like, why in the world would God leave this up to us? I mean, people meeting Jesus is a pretty important thing, right? But God says, hey, I want you to do this. I'm hiring you to be a part of what I am doing. My job will be to equip you and to be with you and to empower you and to give you strength. But I'm asking you to join me in what I am doing. Or 2 Corinthians 5. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And even when you think about how you 
met this amazing Jesus, it's probably through another person that talked to you, that opened up a door, who gave you a Bible, or who was preaching a message, that it was through another person that you began to realize how amazing Christ is and how much you need him, and that he is the king, and that you want to be part of his, his kingdom. God works through other people. It's why it's really important that, 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 that we gather here on Sunday, because every Sunday I come here with different needs. Uh, and there are a lot of different people with all kinds of different spiritual gifts, and they can, they can help me in the week. And, and maybe you're praying for different things. You come here, and God says, hey, I'm going to answer that prayer through this person. I mean, when you're off alone all yourself, I mean, you're isolating yourself a lot from God's work because God uses people a lot of the time. Uh, lots of uh, examples, again, in the Bible. Uh, for instance, in Exodus... Uh, it says this, God's talking to Moses. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and today would be chocolate and cheesecake or something like that, and coffee. Uh, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So God sees what's going on, and he says, I've come to rescue them. And then he's talking to Moses, and he says to Moses, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Really important thing. The Israelites are being impressed, uh, oppressed, and God says, Moses, I'm hiring you. And this is what God does. God has a lot of things that he wants to do in this church, in your workplace, in your family, in this community, and he's saying, hey, who's, who, who's going to join me? Who wants to join me in what I am doing in your workplace? Who wants to join me in what I'm doing in your family or in, even in your own life? God is always asking us to join him in what he is doing. Or Gideon, he was one of the judges. His land was being oppressed by the, uh, the Midianites, and an angel of the Lord comes down and begins talking to Gideon. And, uh, and Gideon says, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonderful uh, wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Uh, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? People are crying out, God, would you save us? Would you do something big? You seem so distant. You seem so far. And God looks for a person to join him, to be the people's answer to prayer. And it is true that God is calling each of you to partner with him in some way. And what he's doing in our nation, in this world, in this community, in this church, in your workplace, God is always looking for people. And some of the time, the reason why, you know, like, why doesn't God do anything big anymore in my life? Why does God so, seem so distant? And it might be either because you're far from God's people because God is a lot through his people, or sometimes it's just his church not being faithful. Why was uh, Israel delivered here? Gideon stood up. Why was Israel delivered? Moses stood up. That's when the miracles began to flow, and the power began to move, when people began to say, okay, God, I will join you. 
And when you begin to join God in what he is doing, you will just begin to see God move in your life and in the life of others in greater ways. We can look at the book of Acts. Uh, this is the story of, of Saul, who is, we know him as Paul. He was persecuting the church, throwing people in prison, uh, killing Christians, and God knocks him off his horse and, and blinds him, and he ends up in this bed, and he doesn't know what's going on. And then God calls this guy Ananias and says to him, go. And he was to go and pray for Saul that his sight might be uh, restored. And he says, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. God wanted the gospel to go out to the Gentiles. He could have sent angels, could have done some amazing miracle and dropped the tract in everybody's house or whatever, right? But God doesn't usually work that way. God works through people, and he calls Paul as his chosen instrument to be the one who would first pioneer the gospel to the Gentiles. And God is calling you to be a part of what he is doing. It may look different in, in, in our lives, but we need to be constantly aware of God. What are you doing? Because he works through people. It's kind of interesting that a lot of the uh, statues throughout the world uh, are, uh, of Jesus are missing hands. Uh, sometimes they're broken off by vandals, but sometimes they've actually been created that way. Uh, there are some statues of Jesus who actually don't have any arms or hands. Uh, and the point of many of these statues, as some of these inscriptions say, is to remind us of who we are as the church. Uh, the B Bible says that, that, in essence, we are the body of Christ. And here's one inscription below one of these statues. Christ has no hands but your hands. And Christ has no arms but our arms. We are the body of Christ. And if the body of Christ is going to move, it's going to move by our feet. If the body of Christ is going to hug, it's going to be by our arms. If the body of Christ is going to speak, it is going to be through our mouth. We are the body of Christ. Uh, there are some uh, churches in China that when someone, you know, finds out who Jesus is and becomes a follower of Jesus, that this is what they publicly say to that new believer in their church. They introduce the person and say, Jesus now has a new pair of eyes to see with, new ears to listen with, new hands to help with, and a new heart to love others with. I mean, we are called to partner with God in what he is doing. And that's why we're called partly the body of Christ. That God is inviting each of you to join him in what he is doing in your life, in your family, in your workplace, in this church. And we always need to be aware, God, what are you doing? Now, the thing that gets in the way of this, of course, is, is often we are quite, we can be self-centered instead of God-centered. Instead of looking through, you know, God, what are you doing? Where we live our lives about, well, what am I doing? And, and we live our lives all focused on ourselves rather than looking at the big picture. God, what are you doing? Just some traits of, the, of these we can talk through. Uh, Self-centered living is usually a life focused on my activities and my plans. It shrinks life down to the size of my own wants, needs, and feelings. And so all of my life is focused on my own needs, my own hurts, my own struggles, and my own needs. And, and we, we never look up and say, God, what are you doing through this? 
Or God, what are you doing in the bigger picture? We live life just focused on ourselves. Where God-centered living, when we begin to, begin to look around and say, God, what are you doing? Is a life focused on God's activities and plans. It expands life to the expanse of God's kingdom. Instead of my own little kingdom, it begins to think, hey, there's more going on in this world than me. God, what are you doing in the bigger picture? What are you doing? What are you planning in our church? What are you planning in our community? What are you planning at my workplace? And you bring your life beyond yourself to a God-centered view. A couple more. Uh, Self-centered living it has a lot to do with apathy, the idea that someone else would do it. So you might actually see God at work somewhere, but you're like, yeah, I'm just too busy. I just don't really care so much. You know, I got my own things going on. Or, you know, there's lots of people in this church, someone else to do it, or maybe God will hire another person to do this because that's too hard for me. And we're going to talk about in the coming weeks about stepping out in courage when you see God at work somewhere because usually it takes courage. But it's going beyond just, God, I don't want to be a part of what you're doing. Someone else would do it. It moves into action. And it moves into the question, God, is it me? I mean, when you see God at work in this church, in an area, I mean, instead of like uh, someone else to do it, you begin to ask, God, is that me? Are you calling me to do this? Uh, God, because I want to be a part of what you're doing because that's the best place for me to be. Uh, you see a need where someone needs to be loved. You, you immediately, not just apathy, I don't care, I got my own problems. You step up and you say, hey, I'm going to bless this person. I'm going to encourage this person. Again, it's moving beyond your own little kingdom into a place where you're really looking for what God is doing and you're really keen on moving into that. Uh, Self-centered living looks at life through human perspective. Uh, God-centered life looks at life through God's perspective. It's very easy to just live our life based on our human perspective. I can't get involved with what God is doing because I'm too busy, I'm too tired, I'm not good enough, I'm pathetic, I'm not really talented, God couldn't use me. That's looking at it from a human perspective. I mean, all of us could probably say that in different ways. But when you begin looking at it in God's perspective, if you see where God is moving, and you start asking God, is that me? And God says, yes. I mean, we will feel inadequate. We'll feel that I'm not good enough or, or strong enough. But I tell you, this is where God steps in. This is God's favorite part. When we say, God, I will partner with you, and we'll step out. Man, he meets us there. He begins to equip us. He begins to bless us. He begins to move in our lives. And a lot of times, those who are most excited about Jesus are those people who are looking for God at work. They're joining him in their frailties and in their inadequacies, and they see God moving and blessing and doing miracles. And they're like, wow, look at what God is doing. I mean, if you want to live a Christian life where you never see God at work, and he's just like, where is God don't look for where he's working and don't join him because that's exactly where you will end up in a boring Christian life where you don't see God doing much. You want to see God move, look where he's working, and you will feel that, I don't know if I can do that, but when you say, I'm going to do that because God's calling me, man, you're going to see good stuff happening. One example of this is Numbers 13. This is after Moses uh, leads the Israelites out of Egypt. They're going towards the land of milk and honey. They get right onto the border, and they send out some guys to go investigate the land, to check it out. They come back. The land is amazing. Lots of milk and honey. It's just an amazing land. But the problem is there's some, there's some strong uh, characters there, and there's division. 
A lot of people are saying, we, we can't do it. The people are too strong. But Caleb, he's one of the good guys here, silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we. This is the difference between self-centered and God-centered living. Looking at a situation from a human perspective or God's perspective. God is at work. God was leading the people into the promised land. God was ready to bless them. God was ready to equip them. But they chose the self-centered path. And they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years because they were not looking at things from a God perspective. And you might be in your life right now wandering through the desert. I mean, you're just like, what is going on? And could it be that you have seen where God is working, but you have refused to join him? And you just end up wandering through the desert. And again, you're wondering where God is. Well, we meet God in power and strength and blessing and encouragement when we begin to live the way we were created, and that is to join God in what he is doing. Now, there's lots of reasons why we should join God in his work, but here's just a couple. One, that it moves us into our purpose and calling. Ephesians 2 says, we are God's handiwork. You know that? God has created you and you are his handiwork. It's really important that we know how God has wired us. And we don't, you know, like, I just suck at everything. I'm no good at everything, you know, God has wired certain gifts in you, and he has made you the way you are for a specific reason. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Why did God create us? We learned last week that one of the reasons God created us is so that we might be in a love relationship with him. But God also created us, as we see here, that we might do good works, which God actually prepared in advance for us to do. That is, God created us to join Him in what He is doing. Do you realize that God actually created you, wired you to be someone that joins God in what He is doing? And this is why that you will tend to have the most life the most happiness in your life when you are joining God in what he is doing because that's the way you were made. If you just live a selfish little life around your own little kingdom and only think about your needs and wants and your desires, you're going to be miserable because you're living outside of your purpose. If you remember last week, I took those sunglasses, right? Remember sunglasses are used to like keep this light out of your eyes, but if you use them for the wrong purpose, they break and bend and are tweaked. If we don't live into our purpose of joining God and what he is doing, we will live bent and out of shape lives. And this is not just something the Bible teaches. You know, like researchers, they know this. Uh, they've done studies on this. I mean, for instance, uh, one public health journal last year did a major, major research, and they said this. Researchers analyzed data from 40 published papers and found evidence that volunteers had a 20% lower risk of death than non-volunteers. In addition, volunteers had lower levels of depression, increased life satisfaction, and enhanced well-being. doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not a Christian. God has designed us in His image to work and to volunteer and to bless other people. And if you just live for your own little selfish kingdom and refuse to join God in what He is doing, 
you're going to be more unhealthy, more depressed. Life is not going to be as satisfactory. And, and I see that. You know that the, tend to be in this church the most kind of happy, joyful people who are excited about things are those who are doing things. And I mean people who are miserable because they're just living all their lives to their self. All their free time is, is their selves and their own deals and their own things. All their money goes to themselves. And, and we're not created that way. Uh, another, um, uh, 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 <clears throat> some research here. It says, researchers discovered the association between well-being and spending on others was significant in every region of the world and was not affected by income, social support, support, uh, support perceived freedom, or national corruption. And, and they were talking about giving money away. Again, that we were created to do good works, to bless other people, to be involved in what he is doing, whether it's volunteering or, or giving money away, that all across the world, those who are more happy and blessed and satisfied with life are people who are using some of their time and their energy and their money to bless other people. And for us as Christians, how much more are we to be joining God in what he is doing and living beyond our own little kingdoms? And this is one of those things I've been really struggling over this year to live into more. Because I know we're all kind of selfish. We love our own free time and be able to use all our own free time for our own little projects and our own little ideas. But I've been trying more to live into this thing that I'm going to be more happy when I bless others than when I bless myself. And I'm going to be more happy when I go help someone or do something for others than if I just spend my time doing my own things. Now, I still do my own things because it's refreshing it sometimes. But in the end, your life is going to be into a, a closer calling and purpose with God when you begin to move out of your own little kingdom into God's kingdom. Uh, we will also see greater fruit in our lives. Uh, John 15 says, If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. That is when you're walking close with him. When you're joining God in what he is doing, you will bear much fruit. What happens often in our lives is because we have our own little kingdoms, we live our lives a lot of times like this. We kind of make up our own plans. It's not going to use my time. It's going to use my schedule. It's going to use my money. And uh, God, would you bless it? Would you bless my plan? Would you bless my idea? Would you bless the way I want to use my time? And then, and then you find out there's just not a lot of fruit and, you, and you're more depressed. And why am I happy? Because I'm doing stuff for myself. Why am I happy? And the reason is you failed to ask the most fundamental question that we can ask in life, and that is not, God, would you bless what I'm doing? But the first question is, God, what are you doing? And once we realize what God is doing and we join God, that's when we begin to bear fruit. This works in your own life. I mean, there are a lot of things I could work on in my life, but I need to say, God, what do you want to work on in my life right now? And as I talked about a couple weeks ago, one of the things that God is working on is my emotional world, right? Because I grew up in a very unemotional family. A lot of times I don't even know how to answer the question, how are you doing? And God's been speaking to me about, hey, you got to work on that. And so I've been talking to people, been praying into it, I've been reading a book right now, and just kind of trying to work with God. And I know I'm going to bear fruit because I know God is at work in that area. Now, if I were piddling around in some other area of my life, I might just be like, why isn't this working? Why isn't there fruit? we got to first ask, God, where are you working in my life? You join him, that's when you see fruit. 
It's the same in the church. God, where are you work in this church? Because, man, I got lots of ministry ideas. Probably you do too, and we could develop them all. And sometimes those ministry ideas could just, like, bomb and not work and be frustrating. Why? Because maybe we didn't ask the question, God, where are you at work? And that answer might be different for all of us because there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of people that need encouragement and blessing. There's people who maybe are feeling lonely or not talking to anybody and, or just various, but God, where are you working? We need to begin to ask that question. Matthew 6 says, seek first his kingdom, not our own kingdom, but his kingdom, and his righteousness. And then it says, all these things will be given to you as well. And he's talking about the needs of life. Again, it goes back to seeking God. God, where are you at work? What are you doing? And once we get a handle on that, fruit, a lot of our needs will be met. And this is where God begins uh, to really come through. And so we go back to this question that we looked at in the very first message. Where is God working? Where is God working in your life? I mean, do you know the answer to that question? I mean, it's not where you would like him to be working. It's like, where is God actually at work in your life? And when you begin to join him, man, that's when you're going to see your life really transform and grow. How is God working in your family? How is God at work in your workplace? Maybe begin to look around. Maybe there's someone who is hurting. Maybe there's someone who is just really depressed. Maybe there's someone who's been asking kind of more spiritual questions. Maybe God is revealing something that he wants you and your business to bless your community through some endeavor or whatever. How is God at work in your workplace? How is God at work in your difficult situation? Instead of just complaining and why is this going on? And thinking about your own little kingdom, begin, God, how are you at work in this difficult situation? What are you trying to show me, God? What are you trying to do? Where are you trying to lead me? How is God at work in our church? How is God at work in our community? I mean, one of the ways in this church we see God at work is, is through the craft dinner lunch that we do here. I mean, we have over 100 uh, youth coming out every Thursday now. If you want a place to volunteer and add some excitement into your life, come out on Thursdays. Uh, I'll throw in a plug. We need more craft dinner right now. We're going through like four cases a week. But, I mean, God is at work there, making connections. Uh, people are really finding out about this church. A lot of the kids are saying, wow, this is a great place. And we don't know what kind of seeds that's planting. But God is at work. How is God at work in our nation? And are you joining him? How are you joining God in what he is doing in our lives? Uh, Paul David Tripp said this as we close. We are meant to do more than make sure that all of our needs are fulfilled and all our desires are satisfied. We were never meant to be self-focused little kings ruling minuscule little kingdoms with a population of one. God is calling you to join him in what he is doing. God has not called you to do nothing. That is not God's will for you. Sometimes he might call us for a period of waiting where we're trying to figure out what are you doing. And we're going to talk next week more about how we can hear God in this because you might be like, I don't know where God is working. How do I even figure that out? So we're going to talk about next week. But God has called us to join him in what he's doing. And I'm just going to close the service with a song uh, but Matthew West, that is kind of uh, pertinent to what we've talked about, and then, and then I'll close.
full of trouble now. I thought, how do we ever get so far down? And how's it ever gonna turn around? So I turned my eyes to heaven. I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery. The thought disgusted me, so I shook my fist at heaven.